at the end of the day, the blood, sweat, and tears, the pain, the joy, the suffering, the sacrifice that you put in to get to what you want to get to, truthfully, in my experience, Kobe's experience, a lot of other guys' experience, at the end of the day, the thing that you're going to remember is the grind. The thing that you're going to be able to be joyful over is the sacrifice and the and the time that you put in to get to the accolade or to get to the moment that you want to be in. Welcome back to another episode of the No More Zero Days podcast. I'm your host, Eric Savage, and today we have Bryce Butler on the show. Bryce has been around the NFL for many years and with many different teams, but he was drafted by the Oakland Raiders in 2013. In college, Bryce played for the University of Southern California until he graduated and then transferred to San Diego State to play his final season while enrolling in a master's program. He played in the NFL for the Oakland Raiders, the Dallas Cowboys, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Miami Dolphins. Today we catch up with Bryce as he's currently an unsigned free agent and talk to him about life after football and what he plans to do, his interests in fashion, and his outlook on parenting and life in general. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So tell me a little bit about what's going on in the life of Bryce Butler right now. Last year would have been my seventh season in the NFL, and since I didn't play three games, it's technically not a season. So even though I did all of, like, you know, spring and, you know, training camp with the Miami Dolphins, I'm technically still a six-year NFL veteran, which I'm not a seven-year, which hurts. But just been training, man, because I still want to play. I gained a year of health. My health meter is back up. Like in Mortal Kombat, when you get that health meter that's down, my health meter is definitely going back up. I feel really good. I feel fast. I feel explosive. I feel strong. You know, waking up at 5.30 in the morning, you know, getting two to three workouts in a day. Depends on the day. That's why I said two to three. Just grinding, taking care of the family, Brianna and Brayden back home. Um, my son is a beast. Love that boy. And also just starting to get my mind more wrapped around some business stuff. Trying to figure out what I'm going to do post-football, which I think is going to be stuff like this, bro. Like, hand in the mic, face on the camera, smiling, entertaining folks. Some of this pandemic stuff has, I think, postponed a lot of it, but I'm still moving forward. So I don't think a lot of people probably listening to today's episode can relate to playing, you know, a down in the NFL. But I, what I think a lot of people can relate to, and kind of this is right along with the podcast when I was excited of having you on here in addition to all the other things I want to talk to you about but talk to me about how maybe some thoughts that you went through what the struggle was like of, of having this you know desire and this dream to be in the NFL and then now all of a sudden you're sitting on the sideline and you're saying hey like I still feel good enough I feel healthy I'm ready to go but yet you're still like a free agent right now and so talk to me about that thought process what was challenging about it you know, I can imagine that there are probably a lot of days that you woke up at 5.30 a.m. and you were like, damn, this alarm, like, I just want to go back to sleep. Like, you could easily hit snooze, but yet, you know, you're getting up, doing a couple workouts a day and, you know, getting involved in all the things you're getting involved in. So talk to me a little bit about that, of what it's like to stay ready, even though, you know, you can't go do the thing that you want to do. Oh, man, it's really hard to train and stay ready for a call when you're not on a team. For instance... In 18, I got cut. 
that was the first time I ever got cut from anything in my life. I didn't know what to do. So like the first two weeks that I was free, I didn't do anything. I didn't know what to do. I was like, what the heck do I do? Like, dudes are about to play this week. Like, what? And then like, when you come out of training camp, you're really sore and beat up. Like, your body's sore and beat up. So like, the first week I was like, I'm definitely not training. And then like, the second week I was like, well, I'll get picked up in a few days. Like, I'm pretty sure I'll get picked up. So, you know, you know, there's no way I'm out of shape. You know what I mean? And then Dallas picked me up, and I was on Dallas's roster back in Dallas um, week three, and I was, like, out of shape as crap. That year happened. I hurt my foot, um, got cut by Dallas, went to Miami, finished the season there strong, had a touchdown, caught some balls. Um, and then Miami cut me with the new staff in 2019 training camp. And then this year, I was like, I'm not going to make the mistake I made last year, which was not training. So right after I got cut, I kind of felt like I knew I knew I was. Um, just had a lot of guys getting paid, and I just felt like I wasn't going to make it, even though I played well. Just didn't feel it. And then second week, I was in New York at Fashion Week in New York. The Raiders called me for a workout. I was there for like three or four days. I hadn't worked out, and my foot was kind of sore. And I was like, my agent called me, and I was like, hey, like, do you think like we can like tell them just to let me come in next week? Because like I was like, bro, I'm all the way in New York. Like I don't have nothing with me. And then I had to fly all the way to the Bay and like work out. And like I was like, my foot sore. You know, I haven't I haven't done nothing in the last three or four days. So like we got the workout to be the next week. Obviously, they they still want me. I used to play for Oakland. I got drafted there. I know John Gruden likes me. He always showed love when he you know filmed my when he did the uh, broadcast of my games on Monday Night Football. So I'm like, I'm definitely gonna be a Raider again. So I'm like starting to get my mind right. Like I'm back at Oakland. I'm good, and I killed the workout. Like there was three other guys there, and I like obviously was better than all of them, but they didn't sign any of us, and I was bummed, bro. And then that was the only workout I had. But, like, during the, when you're in the moment, you don't know that's the only workout you're going to get. So you have to keep training because, like, you have that thought, like, yeah, it's early. I don't want to wake up. I don't want to do this today. But then you're like, you might get a call. If I wasn't working out for a month and a team called me, I'd go. If I was working out every day, I'm going to go. So, like, it's like I might as well work out so I'm ready. But I would rather be ready for it rather than not. And it's hard, man, because, like, it gets to, like, week eight, and you're, like, nobody's calling you, and your agent's telling you the same thing every time you talk to them. And you're, like, okay, yeah, by week eight, if I'm not getting the call, like, I'm just going to stop working out. Week eight comes, and you're, like, nah, man, like, I can't stop working out because, like, if, like, I get a call, and, like, literally, you're just doing that the whole year. Like, I literally did that the whole year. Um, Now, what I will tell you, though, the longer the season went, it went from me working out five days a week to, like, slowly to four. And then, uh, like, when it got to December, I was really, like, between, like, December 9th to, like, Christmas um, in those weekdays, I worked out maybe, like, six times. And then, I, like, after that, like, once, like, the break for Christmas came, I was like, I'm done training. Like, I'm going to, like, chill until February. So the thing that, like, blows my mind about professional athletics particularly the nfl is like you're sitting here 30 years old and like that's a seasoned or older player and yet you have your whole life in front of you so so the thing to me that that i'm curious of hearing your 
thought process on or just reaction to is what's it like to, you know, you've been playing football since forever. And then now all of a sudden you're not playing football. Like, was that a big adjustment to have to realize like, I may have to be doing something other than football. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like you've every day, multiple times a day for years and years, and years, you're doing this thing and it feel, it may feel like, man, I've come to the end of my rope or like I'm old or like, I don't have anything in, you know, in the tank, but like, yeah, like for every other profession, you're still super young and you still have an amazing life. And, you know, we're going to talk about all the other things that you're doing, which I think is cool. But this was just probably my last like football question I had was what's, what's that like? Was that hard? Is that different? Did all of a sudden you woke up one day and you realized that, were you aware of that playing the whole time? Like talk me, talk to me about that. Um, yeah, you have to think about like the end game, even though you don't think about the end game. Like for me, like, if you meet me, you would come, you would basically be like, oh, that guy doesn't need to play football, right? Like, he can do whatever he wants to do. He's smart. You know, he has a great college degree from Southern Cal. Like, he can talk to anybody, blah, 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 blah. And I always felt that way, but, like, I never thought about it. Like, I always was like, yeah, I'll be fine after football. Yeah, I might do this. I might get, in, I might get into that. But, like, once it really becomes, like, a reality, it's, like, or close to a reality – it's like, what did I think I was getting again? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and now, like, what do I do? Like, I think the thing that I'm doing now to prepare myself for if I am done is like, I'm doing like more dabbling. I'm calling people. I'm asking them questions. Like, I'm going to go, I was going to go to the, like I said, the broadcast boot camp. I was going to go up to the Bay and Silicon Valley to do some apprentice work, apprenticeship work with, um, some uh, CEOs of venture capital companies just to kind of figure out what I want to do. Like I'm doing, you know, I'm doing this YouTube content now, try to get that, you know, be a revenue stream and hopefully I can get a lot of people to, you know, like my stuff. I wish I like would have been doing stuff like, like really intentionally um, while I was playing to be ready. But I wasn't because I just always felt like, you know, that time will come like later. Like I thought it would be like 33, 34 before I ever thought about getting cut, not like 28 in 2018. You know, I didn't, I never thought that or 2019. Never. I would never have imagined that. You never know when that time, like in life, you never know when you're going to die. Like you never know when your NFL career is going to die because it can literally happen like that. Well, I mean, you said it yourself, uh, and I know not everyone's going to have the uh, awesome pleasure of getting to hang out with you or meet you off the podcast, but I can definitely affirm, like, you are super smart. Like, I've, you know, I've only been around you a handful of times, but, like, I, I just, I'm excited for you. I think your problem's going to be that you, like me, have too many interests, yeah. and it's like, you got to, you know, kind of like playing NFL, like, you're only going to get so far unless you focus on the one thing. Facts. So, but it's also a blessing that, you know, you're not sitting here and being like, what am I going to do? But, uh, so on that note, like I want to talk a little bit about, you brought it up. Uh, you know, you were at New York fashion week. You talked about being at Paris fashion week. Like tell me about this whole kind of fashion world. I know we had, uh, an awesome conversation last night at dinner. Kind of, you were telling me some stories about it. I love Paris. And I, I, I just think it's worth noting, um, for you to just talk a little bit about your interest in fashion where where you're going with that is it a hobby do you see yourself doing something with it maybe some stories or a story from either new york fashion week or paris fashion week or just kind of your experience in the fashion industry yeah uh i've always been into fashion 
Eric, um, since I was a young kid, you know, when your mom would take you to the mall or wherever she would take you, my, my interest in fashion started there because, like, you know, you're picking what you want to wear. You're like, ah, oh, I don't like that. Oh, I like this. Oh, this is cool. Like, FUBU was, like, huge back then, you know, Fat Albert. And they had different stages of FUBU, right? So you had, like, the regular FUBU that was, like, whatever. It was cool. Everybody can kind of get their hands on it. Then there was the FUBU Platinum. My love for what I put on my body and the expression of myself started as a young kid. And then it got to a point where it became like really, it blossomed a lot. Obviously when like I got more money in my pocket to buy the stuff that I actually wanted. Still don't go stupid crazy cause I don't, I didn't, I don't make like 15 a year or 10 a year. Like if I, I always think in my mind, like if I ever got that huge contract, like my, like my closet is nice now, but like my closet will be stupid nice if I like make, you know what I'm saying? Cause then I would just be just buying stuff and not caring. Um, but obviously, you know, you gotta you gotta be smart. Like I was never like I I spent money on stuff, but like I was never like just buying stupid stuff. Yeah. So like my my stuff started at a young age, and then um I, in 2015 or no 2014, my second year in the league, when I was like, all right, I'm about to like really start wearing nice clothes, like and looking like nice. Um, because I still like my rookie year, I was still buy clothes like I was like in college, and so. My second year, went up to New York, homegirl Sherelle, she worked at Flight Club. She was like, yo, y'all here for like a week. I'm going to take you around New York, show you where to dress, like show you where to buy clothes. So she took us all around, got some dope clothes. And that's when I started wearing my boy's clothing line, Pierre Moss. Shout out to my boy Kirby. And so that year, we also went to London. And we played the Dolphins and they freaking smoked us and um, went to London and then went to Dover Street Market shout out to my man Adrian Jaffe that owns Dover Street Market and come to Garcon my guy I met my boy Tommy Ahmed there he was working there at the time and like we were just we just made a nice connection he's still like one of my really close friends to this day and then that following year, my wife is playing basketball in Belgium. I go stay in Belgium for a month in January. And Tommy knows I'm out there. Tommy's like, yo, bro, come meet me and my boys. We're staying in an Airbnb in Paris. It's fashion week. He was an up-and-coming designer that was working at Dover Street Market. And he was like, bro, just come. It'll be a good time because we stayed in contact. So I was like, heck, yeah. Like, that's just a little, like, train, thoughtless train ride over uh, from Belgium to Paris. It'll take, like, an hour to get there. Speed train, easy money. And then I went. And mind you, early like, earlier that month, me and my wife went to Paris for New Year's Eve, but we were only there really for like 36 hours. My first time in Paris, didn't know what the heck to do. All I had was my guy Steve Stout. Shout out to my guy Steve. Um, give me a couple of like nice uh, reservations to some, you know, some restaurants that I can go check out. Dumb, expensive. That dude has a lot of money. And then, um, but that was it. It was freezing. Didn't know anybody. Didn't know where to go. We didn't do like anything. We just like walk around and have like nice dinners. And then I went back with him and his boys. We didn't do it big, but we did it big for us at that time, right? Like, they were new. I was definitely new. I didn't know anything about that place, really. Um, and they were, you know, new to the game, still shaking hands, learning people, you know, trying to 
get figure out you know the Paris Fashion Week thing and what it meant for them to be there and I was like just like there and then it went from that which was in January 2015 to going back and meeting Kirby in New York for the first time he was like bro you can kill the fashion game um, like you know you got the look you're cool like you're a good dude you're slender tall whatever you can kill it um, and then the following year I went back in 16. So now me and Kirby are boys and he was like, bro, like I'm gonna meet, I'm gonna introduce you to somebody like he's going to take care of you. It's my guy. Bam. Jason Rimber, one of the top, like, like famous celebrity stylists in the game. Um, he wasn't young and up and coming. He's younger than me. He's like, we're the same age, but like he was like already established, but he was still getting there. Like, like now he's like stupid fire, but like he was still getting there. So he like took me under his wing, showed me everything, introduced me to some nice people, got me into some shows. Like now I'm like, oh, like this is sick. So I'm meeting people. Um, this is 16. Fast forward it all the way to 2020. And now like I met like so many people in these, in this industry. I know so many people like I could literally go out there like, like I go by myself, but I can go out there like without a phone, be okay. Like I know where to go. I know people. I know where people live that I know there. Like I could be totally fine. Like Paris is like I know Paris like the back of my hand now. You know it's crazy. Now I know like really high up people in certain places, so I get to go to like the really sick, exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. That's what we talked about last night. Dinners and like you know talk to people, have conversations about people. There were two people about things that, like, nobody else know. People that have, like, over 50 million followers. Like, like big-time people. Like, cool people. Like, actors, actresses, music uh, uh, artists, uh, you know, TV, you know, TV personalities. Like, everybody. Designers, owners, bam. And with me now, um, I'm trying to use that to segue me into the TV world. Like, because I want to do, like... TV entertainment, like be a host of a sick like game show or something, or or just be like a TV, like a sports analyst, broadcaster on TV, um, something like that. But I think that being at like being in Paris, getting the exposure, especially internationally, it gets my face out there. Being in the articles and stuff like that out there, it will help me in that space because then people won't go like, "Who is that guy?" They'll be like, "Oh yeah, I know that guy." Like. Oh, I didn't know he played football. I knew him. He's been around. Like, I've seen him out here in Paris. I've seen him in London. I see him in uh, Rome or Milan. I've seen this guy. He's been on TV. He's been on the red carpets. He's shaking the right people's hands. He's with people. So he's somebody. I don't know who he is. Obviously, everybody doesn't know every NFL player because we wear helmets. And then NFL is not like a, a global sport to where you know people from london aren't really caring really about who we are they just know like you're there if fashion takes another route that i didn't expect yeah we'll take that um if somebody wanted to do a collection with me like i would do that but i don't want to really do that i'm not like i've never really been like an artist guy like i like things i like looking at things i love aesthetics i love all that um, I love architecture, but, like, I don't know it. I don't even really take pictures of stuff like that all the time. I just have it in my head. Would you consider yourself an entertainer? Or or is it something else? Because I think, like, you know, just listening to you talk about these different things, and the more I think about it when I've been around you in different groups of people, whether it's just, like, me and you, or it's 
you know, us and other influential people or us and other athletes, like you have like this kind of it factor where I feel like you you can wear many hats in, in different rooms in the sense that like you're still yourself at the end of the day. Like I can 100% affirm that like you're very authentic, but like you can, you know, talk the fancy smancy talk, but you can also, you know, we can just bro out and talk about sports, but then like then you can put on another hat and you know talk about fashion and, and golf and all these different things. So and then now you're talking about wanting to be a TV personality. So I'm just curious, like, do you can is it is it the fact that like you like to entertain people, or is it that connection of just being with different people, or you know what what is it about? I'm just starting to think about it out loud. Like I don't know where I'm going with this question, but like if you kind of take all these different things you're interested in are very different, yet they're also very similar because I think you're also creating experiences for other people. So whether that's you know the the fan base of whatever team you're playing for the fashion brand you know the movie star you know representing a broadcast like what what do you think in your own words is it about all these things that you feel like this is kind of who you are Ooh, that's a good question um i think i just think it's understanding like the relationship for me i don't necessarily look at myself as a oh i'm a super entertaining guy I know I am, but, like, I don't look at myself that way. I probably need to start looking at myself that way more to, like, get this stuff up, the stuff that I want to do going um, because I'm, like, I'm extroverted for sure. Um, I can be introverted, but I'm extroverted. Like, I have no problem talking to anybody. Like, if you if you don't mind talking to me, I can talk to you. And even if you, like, kind of don't want to talk, I can kind of get you to talk unless you're just really, like, like I don't talk. You know what I mean? And you're just, like, very awkward. You know what I mean? But I still try to get you to talk. And then if I, like, really realize that, like, you're like, okay, bro, F you. Like, I'll be like, oh, okay, cool. All right, whatever. I get it. You don't want to talk to me. Okay. But I think for me, it's just really understanding people. And then, you know, just I just like to build with people, man. Like, I don't really care who you are. Everybody has something cool about them that's cool. And, like... If you are, I think if you would allow people to tell you about that, you can find that you have so much in common with a lot of people. And I just, I feel like I've gotten that concept um, at a young age. And I think I got it from my dad. My dad is like that, man. Like he can talk to anybody, man. Like anybody. Like I've seen this dude, like just randomly just talk to people and you'd be like, dang. Like, and, and I know I can do it, but like, I don't think I can do it like him. Cause like he's my dad and I, I watch him do it. So it's like, Sometimes I'd be like, dang, like, how'd you know what to say to that guy? You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? To make him, like, kind of perk up like that or, like, that girl or whatever to make them want to talk to you. And, like, yeah, so I saw him doing it. I think just naturally, like, I, I, out of all my brothers, I have three, it's four of us, I think I was the more the one that, like, wanted to do things like my pops did. Like, my pops was playing football. I was the only one of my four brothers that played, like, if you like i mean all of my brothers are very extroverted like none of them are really just like just chill don't talk to nobody um maybe more than some more than others but like they're all like very personable um they all have different characters like we i mean we should have a youtube channel like honestly like we could do it and it would be insanely funny because we're all funny in our own right and different we're all very different um but i would say relationships bro because like i just feel like I like to learn about people and like, you know, what makes them tick and like, who are you? Like, what do you like to do? Like, 
is this you? Like, why do you like to do that, bro? Like, that's kind of cool. Like, I kind of get it. You know what I mean? Like, but I don't. So, like, fill me in a little bit, you know? And I think that's the type of person I am. I wouldn't say, like, that's why I don't think I'm an entertainer because I'm not really trying to entertain you. Like, you're entertaining me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know you. Like, but I want to talk to you and get to know you. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, you're entertaining me. Like, but, like, we can laugh and have a good time and you'll think I'm entertaining you, but I'm not really. Like, in my opinion, I feel like you're entertaining me. So that's why I don't think I feel like I am all the time, but I need to start thinking that way for the stuff that I'm doing. Um, Because really, bro, like, if, like, there was just cameras in my house and you just saw me around my house, like, when I'm around my house, like, I'm, like, I'm chill. Like, I'm... I really don't want to do much. Like, I'm hanging out with my fam. Like, you know, now my, my son, entertainer, 100%. I don't know where he gets from. He's an entertainer. And, like, he, you know, obviously he keeps us going at the house. Um, But really, when I'm at the house, man, I just like to recharge my batteries, hang out with the fam, you know. Um, Which is funny because sometimes my wife be like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just hanging out. Like, I'm, I'm just recharging, you know, like I'm. I'm I'm out doing stuff all day every day with you know the other people trying to get some good stuff going like like what we're doing here and then when I go back home it's just like whoo I get to hang out with my family chill you know if I if it if it is a mass which I don't really feel like it is mass it's just like an, like an energy mass maybe I get to take it off and just like kind of be like oh like you know what I'm saying and like lay back and soak into the couch listening to you say all that and again I wasn't even planning on asking this question because I had something else in my head but now I'm really curious on your opinion is. Like, my takeaway listening to you share everything you just shared about building relationships was that, you know, again, this was like, I don't know if this is what you meant to say, but this is why when I was listening to you talk about this was like, you enjoy building relationships based on asking people about what's that thing that makes them tick or, you know, you're interested in wondering why rather than what, like, you know, you're interested in, you know, just taking this easiest example based on what we talked about today. Like, if I was to say, like, hey, I'm a I'm an NFL player, you wouldn't be like, oh, well, what team do you play for? You'd be like, well, why do you play football? Like, tell me about your journey. And I think that that's a skill that I think a lot of people are lacking today. I don't know if you call it a skill or maybe it's just like a habit. And so my question to you is, do you feel like people are too focused on on asking things about other people on what or like people are too caught up in stereotypes and rather than you know asking the why questions of you know why do you believe this way or why are you voting for this person or you know why you know and i and i feel like that a lot of people focus too much on what divides them rather than what unites them because i think that we all have a lot more in common so i guess all that to say like i'm just curious on your thoughts on this like i said i wasn't planning asking this question but i just knowing that that's kind of how intentional you are and I've seen you in action. I know that you are that way. Like, what is your thoughts on that? Like, should we be more, as a society, as a as a human race, more focused on on asking the why questions rather than the what? I mean, it's just like playing Uno, right? Like we were playing earlier. We were playing Uno today, guys. Um, me, Joe, Eric, and Eric. Just to me, in my opinion, just seemed like you just went with the flow. Like you didn't have any like set things that you thought of, Joe. Joe thought he played the game by the rules, right? Like, to the T. Like, if you heard the way he talked when I said stuff to him, he thought he played the game by the exact rules that are in the rule book, right? And then I'm listening to him tell me these things, and I'm like, that isn't in the rule book. Like, that's the way you play with your friends or whoever you grew up with or your family. And I'm, like, coming, I'm saying, like, hey, do you play this way? Do you play that way? Because, like, you know, 
from my experience is you play the way like you pick the rules that you want to play with your friends and you play it that way and then you stick that way and then when you kind of play with these people a lot like those are your rules so you already know the rules right joe by the other in the other hand on the other hand he thought he just played the game the standard way right and so as like I'm listening like and he's looking at me like bro like you don't you don't do the game that way like bro and I'm like bro like I'm not like trying to tell you how the game is played I don't know what the actual rule book is but like this is just how I play with my friends like this is how I play with my friends like so like I'm asking you how you play so I can figure out so we can play we can be on the same page when we play cuz if I think you play like me I'm going to probably cuss you out if you do something stupid and I think you're cheating, right? But I need to get on your level and your page so I can know where you come from and how you play. And it was interesting. I, Joe found something about the game that he didn't know. He wasn't playing the game by the rule book, right? He had they, him and his buddies or whoever he played with, they played with the extra set of rules on top of it. So we found out that we had some things in common which was we played the game of Uno with our own set of particular rules to make the game fun for us, right? And then you try to bring that together. And that's the same thing with people in their lives, right? Like, everybody comes from different walks of life, you know? Even people that live in the same community. Like, everybody comes from different walks of life. Like, we could have lived in the same neighborhood. Your parents could have got to that neighborhood differently than my parents got to that neighborhood, right? And then that matriculates down to you as the kid, as the seed of those parents. And then that's kind of how you're raised. And then I'm raised the way I'm raised. And then that's it. Now, what me and you have in common is that we grew up together in the same area. So, like, the things that we seen in our area growing up, we see those through the lens of what we are taught. So, like... You know, I, you know, somebody over here might do something and the base on, you know, we're from the same area. So we might look at it and be like, Damn, that's like weird or whatever. But like through your lens of how you were raised, you're going to look at that maybe a little bit differently than the way I look at it, even though we're like really close friends and buddies and grew up together. Right. I think being black, growing up in Atlanta or Georgia, which is like very interesting when it comes to race and being in growing up, my dad played for the Falcons for 12 years. So we lived in a decent neighborhood, nice neighborhood. So I grew up with white kids, went to elementary school with predominantly white, sixth grade. I went to a private school that was all black. And then, you know, when I went back to middle school, which was seventh and eighth grade, it was decently mixed, but still more white than anything. And then when I got to high school, it was like basically like split, like, black white mexican it was a beautiful split it was awesome but growing up i never played recreational sports with white kids quote unquote like i played in dorville i grew up playing rec sports over there so like pretty much everybody was black like from the hood di like different like different upbringing than me and that brought me like my, my balance because like obviously I hung out with my neighbors and stuff, which were the white kids. But then, like, when I could go somewhere and, like, my parents would drive me to somebody's house and we can go hang out, I was hanging out with black kids that were, like, in those legitimate situations that, you know, happen or whatever. 
um, that are very unique and different than what I saw, you know, growing up day to day. It helped me because I know those differences and I respect those differences because like I was in those differences growing up playing with those kids that I grew up with and hanging out with them. Like it wasn't just like, oh, I played sports with them and I left and then I was on my boys. It was like, nah, like I was cool with my boys in my neighborhood and I was really cool with those guys too. Like I was, it was no problem both ways. And like how you said, like I could be with my boys in my neighborhood be a certain way because I know how, but you know I know how we are with them and I'm cool with them that's fine doesn't bother me and then I can go with my boys that from the other side of the city and be with them and be be with them and be fine and then like um which was good for me and them because like when stuff would happen and like say I'm with my you know my black homies you know what I'm saying and like some white kids come around and just do something funny and they'll be like hold on bro like whatever and I'll be like nah I like they didn't mean that in that way, bro. Like, you know, like they just not, you know, they don't talk like you. They don't, you know, they don't look like you. They don't, they don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, they didn't come out here and try to be disrespectful to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all just, we just different a little bit. And like, when you're, when you're able to understand that, I think it helps you. And like with me in our society today, especially with the internet and the hive mind, the one way thinking, everybody like they kind of try to force you to be a certain way. And if you're not that certain way and you go not even against the grain, but if you go against what everybody else is doing. So like say like you look at the wall and the wall looks white to you and it is white. But then like somebody like. Just say an example. J Lo gets on like Instagram and says it's beige. Then the whole world's gonna be like it's beige. And I was like, yo, like, um, I don't know what you know J Lo's looking at here. Like, I'm not trying to make fun of her, but she must be colorblind because the wall's white. The whole world's gonna bash me and be like, you're a freaking idiot, bro. Like that's that's beige. Like J Lo said, it's beige. It's beige. And it's like. No, it's white. You know, we're in that society. Or we're in that society where you ask me a question and you're looking for my opinion, but you're not really looking for my opinion. You're just hoping that I say the same thing or I, you hope my opinion's what your opinion is. If it's not your opinion, you're going to then take it back to the internet or and bash me. Or not even the internet. You just feel a certain way. You feel offended that, like, I don't feel the same way as you because I'm different than you for whatever reason that may be. And that's what I might believe is right. It might not be right, but like, that's what I believe is right. But then like you get all offended and defensive and insecure about what I said. And then like, now you're hurt. And like, you might not even like want to talk to me ever again, because you think I personally had a vendetta to wake up that morning and like hurt you. But I had no clue you were going to ask me that question. You know, and people, I think today are like that. Like now, like, especially if you're doing something on TV, internet or whatever, like you have to be very cautious of how you answer things because you have to know that people really aren't like you. I'm really cool with people being different. I know everybody has different beliefs. That's cool with me. And that's good. Like you want people to have a strong belief. Like I don't, I don't want you to be a guy that like doesn't know crap. I want you to have a strong belief in what you believe in. Like, that's dope. Like, I might think it might be crazy, but like, I'm not going to be like, dog, this dude's freaking stupid because he thinks this way. Like, 
me and you can still be cool. We just might not agree on that subject topic. And like, we don't even have to talk about that. I just wish people could be more uh, open to hear the differences in people. And like, under, like you said, understand the whys of like, why they think that way. Because I think if people really cared about why people think certain ways or why people are certain ways, and they can be subjective for them in their case, rather than being objectively like negative, like from the, trying to be from the outside. No, I, I love your thoughts, and we definitely both agree 100% on focusing on, you know, empathizing with others, seeing things from their perspective. You know, even though I may, you know, see the walls white, and you may see it's beige, like, rather than just saying, you know, screw you, like, you're stupid, like, you know, it's clearly white, like, you know, I think we're both willing to sit down with that person and say, well, tell me about why you think it's not white. Right. So the quick follow-up question to that is, how can we as a society or as a whole become more empathetic? Do you do you have thoughts on that? Does it come down to parenting? You know, are we just in trouble in hopes that things bottom out the way they're going? Because I think as a whole, again, I hate talking in generalizations, but like to me, people truly are, at least in America, seeing things a lot more of where are we disagreeing and where are we different rather than where are we similar and how can we grow together and discuss those differences and kind of come to, you know, just some sense of a working agreement across, you know, varying topics. But I just feel like a lot of people are very polarizing right now and they're very more interested in, in saying, you know, who they hate or why they dislike a certain, you know, whatever that thing is. People aren't willing to sit across you know, the table from someone from that that group that they quote unquote hate or disagree with or whatever and have those conversations that are rather just go ahead and kind of like lump them all together and just say like, uh, like I would never be like that person. Or I would never be friends with that person or whatever. And I think that that's a big mistake. And I think that the implications of that are pretty scary. Um, so do you, are there anything in your opinion, do you think we can do anything to stop that from happening? Is it a parenting issue? Is it a you know, what, what is it, if at all? And you may not have an answer. I don't want to put words in your mouth. For me, I think parenting helps a lot because kids are shaped by the mistakes of the parents. And that word mistakes is a broad word, right? So things that we do while we're 30, a lot of those things are based upon what I was doing as a kid or how I was taught as a kid and how I was raised. Like, it's funny, like, when I hear myself talking to my son, like, I'm saying the same stuff that, like, my dad and my mom used to say to me, or, like, my grandparents used to say to me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm using the same words, like, funny words that they used to use, all that, the th same things, the way I say it, all that. I'm saying it the same way my parents did it. Like it's, and I, sometimes I catch myself like, whoa, like that's so weird. Like I'm literally talking, I'm literally my parents. I think that's so huge, man. Like having parents that are there and like not just there, not absent, like there. Like you can be absent and be physically in the house. I mean like there, like really caring for how they're, child is being raised that helps um, let, let me speak from experience in the football community a lot of players are grown are, are raised by just their moms right and you know one thing about like being just raised single mom like say it's just you and the mom it's just you and the mom it's like you don't have no brothers no sister it's just you and your boy your mom is going to treat you like low-key like 
or a boyfriend that she's never had. She's going to treat you like the little king, the little prince. She's going to do everything for you or whatever. You're going to be catered to all the time. Women are emotional. No offense to nobody. Women are emotional. Guys are built more logical now. Guys can be emotional more than a woman, um, but typically it comes th- from this. So, like, you can, you know, you're getting raised by your mom. You're seeing how your mom handles things. It's tough for her. She's emotional. She's making emotional decisions, um, you know, blowing up on people sometimes, blah, blah, blah. It's really hard for her. And then, like, as a as a son, a boy, like you, that's what you see. Like, that's your authority figure, only authority figure in your life. That's your mom and your dad, almost. You know, because she wants, she's trying to do everything she can for you. Um, and then, like, you grow up, and you think that every woman is supposed to cater to you the way your mom did. You're making decisions emotionally like your mom did. That's your mom. So, like, and that's the only authority that's your mom so like you're gonna do things the way she did just like i just told you like i do things that my parents my mom and my dad used to do with me you know what i'm saying you're gonna do what you see like and who you look up to you're gonna look up to your mom because that's the person that took care of you because you're upset at your pops because he wasn't around so you look at your mom so then you become almost like your mom and then you're 30 years old and you throw timber tantrums if you don't get your way and everybody's like looking at you like what the heck is wrong with this guy like he's 30 years old got a girl got like two kids and like he acts like a kid and you like don't know why and then it most of the problem is that he had a traumatic he had a traumatic experience of growing up without his pops and really he just wants his pops to be around and his pops wasn't around and he's insecure about that and he doesn't freaking know how to handle himself. Now, mind you, everybody's not like that that's growing up in that situation, but it happens a lot. And like what we talked about earlier, if you don't know the guy, you just kind of come across him and see him kind of throw some timber tantrums, then you'd be like, yo, like, what's wrong with that dude? Like, that dude was tripping. Like, that wasn't even a big deal. Then, like, the more you get to know him, you find out Pops wasn't around. Pops would come in and out his life. He was hurt. He was only with his mom. His mom was a drug dealer. Bam, 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 bam. She, you know, I'm not going to talk about that, but she liked this instead of that. And then it's like, dang, now I'm confused as a little boy. Like, is my mom supposed to, like, how did my, how did I get here? My mom's not home for me. My dad's not either. Now I'm in the streets with my boys doing what we want to do. So I'm my own authority. I don't listen to nobody in school. I don't, I'm not listening to a football coach. I'm an athlete. I'm a beast. I'm going to do my thing. Now I'm in the NFL making millions of dollars. Who is going to tell me what to do? I made it myself. I don't have to listen to coaches. Then I get in trouble. Then now I'm not in the league anymore, but I have millions of dollars. I don't know what to do. I'm talking bad about people. You know, like, it's everybody's fault but mine. You don't know how to take ownership over anything. And where did that happen? It happened when Pops got mom pregnant and then left. Like, you don't take ownership over nothing. So, like, it, it dog, it's crazy. Like, it's it's a root. Like, there's always a seed somewhere, bro. And I think that, I think parenting is a big thing. Now, honestly, you know, I believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Like, obviously, I feel like if, if you believe that way and you, like, wholeheartedly seek after him, like, you're going to be good. But, like, it's biblical in a sense that, like, mom and pops need to be there, but, like, you don't have to be a Christian, per se, to be there for your kids. Like, right? Like, there's people that aren't that, like, are there for their kids. Like, they're great people, like, great parents, whatever. Um, but, like, you know, obviously I just said that because, like, that is biblical. I think it starts there first. My dad made a lot of mistakes. 
in his life. Some he told me about, some that I saw. You know, he keeps on trucking, right? Um, he keeps on trying to be better. You know, try, you know, striving to be better. And like, you know, you knowing that as a kid, you seeing that, you being able to look up to pops and see, like, yeah, like my dad made some mistakes, financial mistakes, personal mistakes, and you know, you have to keep moving. Like, there's forgiveness that's there, right? And then, so for me, like, I can make a mistake. I can own that mistake and keep moving. Why? Because I saw my dad do it. You know, like, my dad made mistakes. Like, he ain't gonna act like he ain't do it. Like, maybe when you're, like, really, really young, you know what I'm saying? But when you get older, like, Pops is telling you, like, yo, like, I shouldn't have did that. Like, and I hope, like, if you get caught, if you are in the same situation, like, you won't make that decision. You know what I'm saying? Because I did it, and it it won't work. It won't work. And then say like, oh, maybe you did make that same decision. Then you see that like he wasn't lying to you. He wasn't just trying to say like that so you wouldn't have fun. Like he was saying that obviously because he did it, and he knew that it wasn't good for him, and he know he knows it won't be good for you. You know that that type of stuff is like invaluable, dog. Like you can't really put a price tag on that. If you had the power to say. I'll give you a 15-year career, 125 M's, like millions of dollars that you made playing. Like, you're the man. After the after the game, you're set for life. You can do whatever you want, like, whatever you want. But then you said, I got to take your pops away from you. like, Or, like, I got to take away good parenting from you through your childhood. And, like, you don't have that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Like, I wouldn't take it because, like... Even though, like, cash might be flowing, I'd be dealing with a lot of traumatic stuff. Now, maybe I could have overcome it and, like, been okay, but I still would have been of that hurt of not having my boss in my life, you know what I'm saying, or, like, my parents in my life the way that I would have liked them to been in my life. And I would probably, I could probably be making that money because I'm seeking approval from people, you know, which is in some type of ways is it's is illegitimate because now like you're really you're only doing that because like you know your parents were in your life so like you don't really think that you're insecure about that so like you just always strive for that attention from somebody and then your kid like then i'm gonna have kids at some point right and then i'm gonna do i'm gonna like for the most part unless i really tried to like just put my foot down and like this is not happening most of the time you're just gonna create the same cycle like that would be tough man like i got a kid now bro and like if my son ever like said something out of seriousness and was like dog my dad like he's he's sorry dog like that would hurt me like that would hurt i know it's not the only answer but i i mean i would say majority of it comes from parenting i I love that this episode went kind of in this direction because it's like super unique and I love your perspective on it. And I know I didn't even get to like some other things. Like I know you're doing it in golf and other stuff, but um, I'll ask you the last question of the episode. And I ask every single uh, person I have on or guest rather the same question. Cause I'm just fascinated by it. So this, the title of this podcast is the no more zero days podcast. And a zero day is where you get nothing done towards accomplishing whatever that dream or goal you have for your life. So maybe it's playing in the league. Maybe it's, you know, losing weight maybe it's starting that business um and i i think that the problem through my own life that i experienced was that i falsely you know thought of 
every day when I woke up either today is going to be the best day ever and I'm going to get everything done. So on a zero to a hundred scale, today's going to be a hundred. But then, you know, if something went wrong the second I got out of bed and let's say I was trying to lose weight and instead of eating oatmeal, I had an Oreo, you know, then it just, everything went to shit and I'm just eating junk food for the rest of the day. So it's a zero day. I think the more realistic approach, at least in my opinion, is is it's somewhere in the middle and that you should be okay with, you know, if, again, if we're talking on the zero to 100 scale, like maybe today's a 53 day or today's a 94 day or today's a six day. But as long as you're doing something towards whatever that, again, that goal is for your life, whether it's in the league or losing weight or starting a business, like if you look back at, at your week, you'll see, you know, these little tidbits of things that you got done every single day rather than being like, well, crap, all I did on Monday was sit and watch Netflix all day or, you know, I, I got stuck in bed or whatever. So the question, I say all that to set it up for you, is what piece of advice uh, or a story or a thought or a quote do you want to live or leave, rather, excuse me, for that person that's living in that zero-day mentality, that they're getting nothing done towards that goal? At the end of the day, the blood, sweat, and tears, the pain the joy, the suffering, the sacrifice that you put in to get to what you want to get to. Truthfully, in my experience, Kobe's experience, a lot of other guys' experience, at the end of the day, the thing that you're going to remember is the grind. The thing that you're going to be able to be joyful over is the sacrifice and the and the time that you put in to get to the accolade or to get to the moment that you want to be at. I've, I've, I've won championships in junior levels, right, and stuff like that. But what I hear from, like, Super Bowl champions, uh, I'm a good friend with Steph Curry, like, world, like, finals champions, like, basketball, all this, man, like, the same thing that you hear from like everybody who's done this, like they always talk about the journey. They never talk about like, oh yeah, we won the championship and that's it. Like they like, oh yeah, we won a championship. Like and I remember that night, third quarter, this, that. I remember the party after the game. They never talk about like they might talk about the game, but they never talk about that the post stuff. They always talk about the stuff that led up to it. They always say, man, like, like we felt deserving to win that, man, because, like, this is what we did to get there. Like, and it was hard. But, like, I never, I, I wouldn't trade it in for anything because, like, we got that accomplishment. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, they, like, I, like, I promise you, like, one of my really close friends went to college with him was the Super Bowl MVP when Seattle beat the Broncos. Like, and I remember asking, like, bro, like, you won the Super Bowl, dog? Like, what? And my boy who, like, Malcolm, like, he wasn't even a starter. And he won the Super Bowl MVP. Like, he wasn't even a starter. And, like, I remember just being like, dog, like, you won the Super Bowl, bro? Like, 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 how did it feel? And, like, I just remember he literally was like, dog, like, we felt like we deserved it. And I was like, okay, like, what the heck does that mean, bro? Like, everybody feels like they deserve it, but no, everybody doesn't get it. Only one team can win it. I felt the Broncos were deserving. And then, you know, he goes like, bro, like, we worked so hard, dog. Like, you know, like the grind and, like, the like the like what we put in to get there, dog. Like, accolades were always going to be there. 
there's always going to be somebody that outdoes you. Always. Like, there's somebody that's going to outdo you in something. Always. At some point in time. You can't hold on to your accolades, dog. Like, all you can hold on to is that work that you put in. And for the zero-day mentality, you just go out there and attack every day, bro. Like, every day is not going to be 100, like you said. Like, every day is not going to be 100. One day, like, if if you're doing something and it's, like, physically taxing to get to where you're getting to, like, say, sports, one day you might wake up and your body's like, bro, like, not happening today, right? And, like, you might have had, like, two workouts planned. But then that day, if the body's really hurting, maybe that day's just a mental day. So even though I can't get the physical grind, okay, let's let's get in this playbook or let's let's watch this film or like let me think about my game in a way that I haven't thought about it and and like let me try to think of a way that I can switch up and get better. There's always something that you can do. Kobe didn't always put his body through a physical tax all the time. I read his book. You know, everybody thinks like, you know, every day he woke up like super early and like he did, he just put his body through the brink every day. I'm like, yeah, he did it a lot when he was young, you know what I'm saying? Like, and he worked hard when he was old. Like, if you watch his, The Muse, like, he did a lot of stuff. But he also said like, he listened to his body. Like, there were sometimes he might have, his body was telling him to go to sleep and he got some sleep. Like, sometimes his body told him to do, stretch a little bit extra. And instead of being on the court doing a whole bunch of stuff, he was stretching. There's always something you can do, you know what I'm saying, to get better. I was actually really excited to see where this episode ended up because I don't script any of my questions ahead of time. Certainly have a handful of things in the back of my head that I know I can ask to if if conversation doesn't naturally flow into the next natural question for our listeners to learn from our guests. But, you know, I think a lot of people that are interviewing Bryce uh, would probably be... um, you know, tempted to stick on the topic of football. And while football is definitely one of his biggest passions in his life, it was really interesting for me to learn a lot about uh, him beyond just the game of football and and knowing how he thinks about things, the way um, he was brought up, and overall just his vision for learning and understanding different people from different walks of life, I hope was a breath of fresh air for you and something that maybe was unexpected if you're coming to today's episode because, you know, you're a fan of Bryce Butler, the NFL player. So... I hope that you learned a lot today. I know I did. I took a lot away from this conversation. I hope that you're staying safe. Uh, This episode was recorded previous to the coronavirus pandemic and all of the lockdowns, so I'm able to continue to give you a few more episodes before we will end all of the streaks of episodes I have recorded already ahead of time uh, prior to coronavirus, but I hope you have a great day take a moment to follow us on instagram the no more zero days is our instagram handle or you can follow me on instagram as well at eric michael savage i would love to hear from you love to answer any questions uh listen to uh your commentary on any of our episodes or who you want to see next so let me know and i hope you have a great day